Hey, welcome to the Word Weaver podcast, a place dedicated to the powerful web words weave and the deep layers they uncover. Here you'll find a compilation of tips, tricks, and words of wisdom from writers, authors, creatives, and entrepreneurs. Basically, cool people doing cool things in the world and how they've used words as weapons of mass creation and inspiration. You'll also hear from me, your host, Louise Johnson. I'm a former marketing maven in New York and Switzerland. I left a lucrative job to follow my dream of becoming a writer. It's a never-ending journey, so I figured we should all be in it together. I've learned a lot along the way, but it's a constant evolution. My favorite part is how little by little, letters turn into words, words become sentences, sentences become paragraphs, and before you know it, you've created something from nothing. And whenever that happens in life, it's nothing short of magic. So grab a coffee or a glass of wine, and let's dive into today's chapter. I'm really excited. Today we have an interview with my friend Shannon Mullen. She actually used to teach me swimming up at our cottage in Norway Bay, Quebec, where we grew up in the summers, our parents grew up, and even our grandparents. But it wasn't until later that we both discovered our shared love of writing. By day, Shannon is a high school teacher. She's currently working here in Toronto, but she's taught all over the world in the United Kingdom, British Columbia, the Canadian Arctic, and even Colombia. She's an avid traveler. She's been to over 25 countries, and she's also a fitness instructor on the side at Good Life, so you might have seen her teaching one of those classes if you live in Toronto and work out there. But more recently, and arguably more true to her core, I think she would say, she's an award-winning indie author. She recently self-published her debut novel, See What Flowers. It's a contemporary fiction book about love, and it touches on mental illness. She's also had her writing published in the Globe and Mail and Thought Catalog. I was really eager to talk to Shannon about the whole self-publishing process. She has so much knowledge on Amazon's CreateSpace from uploading, picking a cover design, and their whole print-on-demand service, and also to hear what it was like fresh off of her winning an award in New York City, and also her future plans for how she would like to fit writing into her life. I had a way with words for a while. Welcome to the Word Weaver podcast. I am so happy to have you here because uh, the first time I ever got into podcasting was when you allowed me to be a guest on yours. And then the last time I saw you, I was got to interview you doing a Q&A for your debut book launch. Your book is See What Flowers. And it's kind of a he said, she said story a little bit like gone girl and a lot has happened since then when was that that was about a year ago because i that book launch was june 16th uh 2017 yeah so almost a whole year ago it goes by fast so fast Mm -hmm. um but since then you recently won the bronze medal for best regional fiction at the 22nd annual independent publisher book awards the Ippies, right? Yeah. So that was really exciting. That um, happened in New York, uh, May 22nd. So just about a month ago, I did a lot of work, um, you know, promoting See What Flowers when it first came out. And then I, uh, I'm a teacher. So my focus during the school year is really on teaching. And um, I haven't put a lot of energy and I kind of have sort of was happy with 
how See What Flowers did, just publishing it was enough. And then it was really exciting to have won the the IP award. And I went to New York. My cousin lives in New York, so I stayed with her and she came with me to the award ceremony. And it was just was really special to have my work uh, recognized and honored by the independent book publishers. So that was really, really cool and super exciting. Anything to have to give it that kind of stamp of approval by a professional body, because I did self-publish it, was just a really great honor. Did you have to give a speech? No, no. They had, I mean, they had, lo- they have lots of different categories. So there were many award winners for the various categories, because it's not just fiction. There's uh, nonfiction, there's, you know, cookbooks, self-help books. So there's, there are lots of authors from all around the world actually there. So um, there wasn't time for speeches. They just called out the names and you went up and there is wine and some appetizers. So it was really great. So it feels good to be an award-winning author. You know, it was enough of a success just doing it and finishing it because it's something that I always wanted to do. You know, once I made the decision to self-publish, that's full of kind of self-doubt because you have to be the one to decide when your manuscript's done and when it's good enough or whatever that means. And so, you know, for me to be able to have someone other than my friends say that they like it um, or that they think it's something worth reading or, you know, that just professional stamp of approval or validation, that for me was just such a great honor. Oh my God, completely. I mean, Mm -hmm. so that kind of goes into my next question where a lot of people say that they want a book to write a book or they have a book in them, but very few people actually, like you said, sit down and write a full manuscript because of that self-doubt. You just, you don't know when done is done. And you just sit at these blank Mm -hmm. pages day after day and you're trying to organize these thoughts into a plot line, create these characters, and you have nobody really to bounce that off of, especially if it's your first manuscript. So first of all, congratulations. That is amazing accomplishment to, like you said, to just publish it and put it out into the world, but also then to win. How long did it take you from initial idea for See What Flowers to seeing it finally on shelf? What was your writing process like? I learned in the writing, and I think actually I've known this my whole life, just being a student and just the way that I do any type of work is that I'm definitely kind of a binge worker. So I'm not the type of person who can chip away at something like a little bit every day. And for me, you know, it's a childhood dream to be a writer. Like I've always wanted to write a book. Um, I remember when I was in grade one that my teacher selected me to go to this young writer workshop, but I didn't uh, start writing until, I mean, I'm a high school teacher. So I started doing some writing when I worked abroad. I had kind of teaching blogs. But then basically in, uh, I think it was November 2014, I had returned to Toronto after finishing a teaching contract in uh, Nunavut. And that's kind of a weird time because jobs don't come up for teaching until... Um, Like I hadn't been hired on by any of the school boards. And so the next round of interviews wasn't going to be until May or June of that year. So I kind of just had some time to kill. And um, I mean, I teach part time at Good Life. So I was able to support myself with my fitness classes and had saved up some money up north. So I basically kind of said, okay, well, I have this time. This is something I've always wanted to do. So I just kind of gave myself permission to take that time to write. I was really lucky in that I was living with my aunt and uncle, so I didn't have to worry about rent. So it's almost like I just had this chunk of time. It was basically 
the end of November until I said, okay, the following September, I'm going to need a full-time teaching job because my savings are going to run out by then. So yeah, so I just took that time to write. And actually, I I started writing a different book (laughs) initially because, I mean, you don't really know like how, you know, I wanted to do this, but what is the idea? And I had some idea that I was working on and I wrote actually about 30,000 words of a different book. And then in March, I was biking with my dad in Arizona. And then I had this idea for See What Flowers. So I abandoned the other project. Basically, it took me, so then that would be, it would have been the end of March until the end of the summer that I, that took me to write that first draft. Which is pretty quick. And did you have an outline? No, I mean, I just, I had a couple images. So I had this one image, this kind of this idea of this man waking up in jail, not knowing how he got there. Um, and then a couple, because I had ri- read Gone Girl and I, I, right before that. And so then I had this idea of like that he, he said, she said, I really like that style. And so I kind of had that crunch, like that deadline of, okay, you know, I'm going to have to find a full-time job in September. So if I'm going to do this, it has to be now. So I just really was disciplined with my writing. And every day I basically kind of like had a nine to five sort of writing schedule. <laughs> Did you write at home or coffee shops? Yeah, I was a little bit of, of both. Like I had, I taught a fitness class Monday to Friday at lunchtime. And so in the morning I would write at home and then I would go to the gym, teach my class. And then in the afternoon, I often, because I taught at some of the good lives um, in the Young and Bloor area. And so then I would, after that, go to the Toronto Reference Library in the afternoon. Yeah. And I really just liked that as a space to work. And actually, one of my really good friends at the time was working on her master's thesis. So the two of us would go there and then we would often get a coffee together or you know, you have somebody there to watch your stuff if you have to go to the bathroom or that kind of thing. And then (laughs) if I wanted to write in the evenings or on the weekend, sometimes I would go to coffee shops because it's hard to write for a long time. And so I found that I can really only write well for, I don't know, maybe a two hour chunk. And then I got a teaching job in Columbia. And so that started in October. And the first draft was done by the end of that summer before you went to Columbia. Yeah. And then how many subsequent drafts did you have to do? How many rewrites until you felt like it was a solid manuscript? You know, I was really lucky. And I I remember thinking in Columbia, you know, that it would be really hard to write something raw while I was working, just to find that energy to have the ideas. Like I find, I what I learned through the process is that I do need to have time to think and to kind of be immersed in a a project to get those creative ideas. So I think if I was still writing, if I hadn't finished the draft, I'm not sure if I would have finished. And so in Columbia, I I did some, like, I could edit because for me, I mean, editing is a lot more mechanical. It's not, for me anyways, it's not as creative. I need that time and space to have those get the kind of creative juices flowing but um it's okay I can do like the editing in in little bits and pieces so you know if I had a couple hours here and there when I was in Columbia throughout that year I I worked on it and then in the summer when I came home for a couple of weeks before school started again in September I went to my cottage and I spent about three weeks doing like a full revamp like a re big full redraft so I would say that would be maybe draft three okay and then um after that then I did sub try to submit it to some agents 
and publishers. And I got some response, but overwhelmingly heard nothing, like just no response at all. It was really that sometime during that school year, I decided, oh, maybe I'll try this self-publishing thing. And then I saw there was a contest on Amazon where it was for self-publishing or something like that. I can't remember exactly what the contest was, but I remember that the deadline was May 19th. So I was like, okay, I'm going to publish my book by May 19th so I can make this contest. <laughs> That's what you did. And you published through Amazon's CreateSpace platform? Yeah. Yeah, through CreateSpace. Self-publishing is becoming increasingly popular because you get to maintain the majority of the profits. You get to choose the book cover design. It's your edits. And it's, for me, the biggest pro, I think, is that you can publish pretty quickly. Like you said, you met that May 19th deadline versus traditional publishing. It can take years, even when you get a book deal. Could you walk us through kind of your self-publishing journey with Amazon? Because I think that's something a lot of people would be fascinated to learn. Yeah. And actually, I've had intentions of writing about this for my website and just haven't made the time yet. But I, I think that would be useful for people. So hopefully, I will do it. And even just for myself to kind of reflect on that process. Yeah, it really was just trial and error, just kind of figuring it out and as I went. And I didn't find it that difficult. I mean, on the CreateSpace website, it does really walk you through it. There's lots of frequently asked questions and there's discussion platforms where people post issues that they're having and where other people comment. So I would read through that and I kind of just Googled stuff. The reason that I chose to go through CreateSpace as opposed to other self-publishing platforms was uh, just because I felt like it has access to a big market. It seemed pretty easy. It was also very low risk because you don't have to put up any money. And they print on demand. So I just figured, okay, my mom's going to buy a book. I have a lot of family. So I know that I'll sell some copies, but I didn't want to take on much financial liability. Or I had um, a contest for my book cover through a website called that 99designs.ca. And I was just listening to another podcast and heard Tim Ferriss. Yeah, it was a Tim Ferriss podcast. And he said, yeah. he advertises 99 designs and said that he uses it. And I was just like, what is this thing? <laughs> and then so I went and I saw that it was affordable. And so you can choose the amount of money that you want to spend on your cover. And then you put up that money, you put your ideas of what you want on it and what your book blurb and then designers from all around the world can pitch ideas for what they think would be a good cover for your book. And then you can give feedback and then you narrow it down to say the top eight and then the top four, and you can promote it on social media and have you know, your social media contacts weigh in on what covers they like. And then ultimately you choose one. Because actually originally I was going to, I had contacted a friend and then I had also contacted um, somebody that I'd found on Etsy. But then you're kind of really depending on one person's ideas. Um, so the thing I liked about this platform is that it was, you know, I had, I think there were almost a hundred pitches that happens in a like sh a really short time. And it was also a short turnaround time. Because like I said, oh, I saw the, you know, the deadline for this contest on Amazon was May 19th. And it was kind of in mid April that I had seen that. And so then it was really quick. I'm like, Oh, got to get this cover figured out. <laughs> and then my designer is uh, based out of Croatia. So that was kind of cool. And did so I remember everybody voted, which is such a good way to get 
people excited about the launch of your book. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was cool too, because people felt like they were already invested in it. You know, this dream that I had to publish a book and we're a lot of people weighed in on what they thought was the best cover. Was it the cover that you thought was the best that won ultimately? Yeah, that's the cover that I liked the best. Uh, a couple of my friends, you know, whose opinions I really value didn't like that one. There was another one that was really great as well. But I don't know, there's just something about this cover that I really liked. Yeah, you'll have to, for anybody listening, have to go buy it on Amazon to see what it's like. But it's also on Barnes and Noble and Chapters Indigo websites. I know one of the challenges of self-publishing is distribution in store, like getting your book into those big box retailers. But you have been able to do that and also have events at these chapters, like brick and mortar stores. I kind of wanted to know, A, what it was like seeing your book on shelf there for the first time. And then how that process was for you, getting it into a physical location. I mean, one of the great things about chapters is that they have this local authors program. So that's how I was able to get my book into the chapters Indigo. So I just had Young and Eglinton. So it's a great opportunity for people who have self-published. They were really supportive of having an event there. And so I had a book signing and then they took copies and put it on the shelves. And yeah, that was really cool to have it, you know, under the Canadian literature section. And then also my last name's Mullen. So it was really close to Alice Monroe <laughs> on the shelf. So, you know, the, you know, all the photos that I could take for my website or Instagram, it says Mullen Monroe. <laughs> but also, you know, I feel like, oh, I don't know if this book is worthy to be occupying the same shelf as Alice Monroe, but <laughs> it's there. <laughs> but it is. Like you wrote a book and it's on shelf next to Alice Monroe. And you did that. <laughs> yeah. So far, everything you said about self-publishing, it kind of seems like a no-brainer. And But having gone through it, would you recommend it as an avenue for other writers? I would say... A hundred percent, but that you have to kind of decide what your goals are with it. I mean, for me, um, my goal was just to put my work out into the universe. And, you know, of course you want people to like it and to read it. But at the end of the day, like I was just proud of having done what I always wanted to do. And so the sales part of it wasn't really that important to me also because, um, like I have a full-time job as a teacher, so I that's my source of income. So, I mean, obviously you want to make – it's nice to have money coming in, but my goal really with the book was just to break even. I mean, I think it's very difficult to like make it as a self-published author if you're going to hope that that would be a way to support yourself financially. I just think that I'm in a different position where I have – a job that supports me. And so, yeah, I would definitely recommend it to other people who want to get their work out there. For me also, I'm hoping that if I write another book that maybe, you know, the fact that See What Flowers has done well, you know, it's won an award or the IP medal, that maybe that would help if, you know, I write another book and pitch it to agents and maybe they would take it more seriously, my next book. So, I mean, I have self-published with the intent that maybe my next book, I'll try to go through the traditional channels. Because the thing with self-publishing is that you take on all the marketing yourself. And for me, I mean, I haven't 
I two things I did really well I think as was the um, I had some events for my book like kind of book launches and that's when I did the bulk of my sales was people who bought the book at the event and so I would highly recommend um, any self-published authors to have something like that because I think you know your friends and family are going to be your first market I think people do want to support you. Um, so to kind of not be afraid to create a space for people to celebrate your work, you know, by doing those events, I was able to break even with the cost that I invested in my book, like by getting the cover and diff- just like other small things that I did. Yeah, in order to kind of break away from that friends and family market, I think is really, really hard. So um, another thing that I did was um, I put my book like created uh, well, as soon as you publish. Uh, so even self-publishing, you can create an author profile on Goodreads. And I would really recommend um, writers who self-publish to do that because that's just a way of connecting with a bigger audience of readers. And you can do um, Goodreads giveaways. And and that's just, you know, both as an ebook and as a paperback. So I did a couple of giveaways and that was just, you know, another way of building a bigger audience and getting some reviews um, that way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because reviews are huge, right? That's kind of how your book gets pushed up on Amazon or in Goodreads. Yeah. And I mean, I would say if I were to do it again, I would have tried to get more of my friends and family to read advanced copies and write reviews. And I, I just didn't realize that that those things mattered. So I didn't really ask people to do that. And then I'm also just really shy. You know, if people who read my book, like, I don't want to say, oh, can you like write a review about it? Because it just, I'm kind of just grateful that they read it, you know, and so it's hard to kind of like, especially people, you know, whereas at least with the giveaways, um, you know, people get follow up emails asking how they like the book. And so some people will review it and some not. The thing though, is that you have to just have a thick skin about it because people can say whatever they want, you know, on the internet. And it is hard. I've had some very negative reviews and that's, you know, it is hard to read, but you just kind of have to remind yourself that there's other people who also say positive things and you just have to decide what success means to you. And I don't know, not worry too much about the negative reviews. Yeah. That's hard because you put yourself out there and then, to hear criticism. I mean, everybody is a critic, Mm -hmm. but that's definitely not easy. And especially, I mean, the whole writing process of writing that book, you were in isolation. It's your own private thoughts that whole time. Mm -hmm. It's almost like you don't, you kind of forget that people are going to read it at the end of it. You're just for a year in your own head, Mm -hmm. like isolated, finishing this thing. But then once it's out in the world, you have to take on all these other roles and take on the criticism and almost this business side of being an author. Like you just said, speaking events, launch events, promoting it with giveaways, social media, blogging. How how do you find that? And do you prefer kind of the writing side to the business side? I definitely ha- could have invested more time and energy into pr- doing the business part of it. I mean, I definitely did... Um, a couple had a couple events, one in Toronto and one in Ottawa, a couple book signings in that summer. 
after I published it. And then since then, I really haven't done anything. Like I haven't even gone to indie bookstores and asked for them to put it on my shelves. But now that I, I have the sticker on my book, I think I probably will. I felt like I was happy with how things had gone. And I want to put all my energy now into writing something else as opposed to marketing this book. I don't know. Right. You also had a full-time job since you published. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's the other thing is I just don't have time. I mean, I guess I could make time, but it's for me, you know, anything related to writing, I just want to write something else. So yeah. And that's why I think that, you know, if you self-publish, you kind of have to decide what your goal is. And for me, of course, building a readership is a goal, but the ultimate goal for me was just getting it out there. Yeah. And then your next book, you can continue to build on that. Yeah. And that I know, you know, in the future, I have more books in me and I would just like to spend my time and energy writing as opposed to the marketing. Right. But I mean, I think you have to do a bit of a bit of both. Yeah. But definitely, I mean, even, you know, I feel like See What Flowers has done well for a self-published book. And if I was hoping to like support myself financially through that I mean that's just a completely unrealistic like I basically have just broken even um you know if people are writers are hoping to self-publish you know to make money to support more writing I think that that's really difficult yeah yeah I don't know of anybody that's been able to do that successfully mm-hmm. I don't think so you kind of touched on it a little bit but Are you working on any exciting new writing projects? And just in general, what does the future hold for Shannon Mullen, the person, and Shannon Mullen, the author? Through the process of writing See What Flowers, I learned how, you know, much joy writing gives me in my life. And so I want to make space for that, even though I have, you know, a different profession teaching, which I also enjoy. When I was teaching and wanting to write, I had a lot of kind of resentment for teaching because it it takes up so much time. But I'm also now realizing that I'm grateful for it because it also gives me time. So this summer, when you kind of back to your question, um, this summer I'm hoping to get started on my next book. I had started a little bit, uh, chipped away at another fiction project, but I've now decided that I want to do more creative nonfiction. And I've started brainstorming a little bit, but... Uh, hoping to do, oh, not like a memoir, but kind of almost like a travel log of experiences that I've had teaching and traveling. I have lots of stories and, you know, even things that I've already written on my blog. So I think that I could write something like that quite quickly. Yeah. So my timeline now is the summer. So I'd like to, if I can, get a full draft out in the summer, because if I don't, I'm not going to be able to write, you know, do much writing until... Uh, my next break from school. It's funny. I wish I'd started my first book as fiction and then doing what you're doing, going to nonfiction. But I started with nonfiction and I find it really hard to write about yourself. So I'm curious as as it goes on this summer, I'll probably follow up with you to hear how you're finding using yourself as the protagonist. I think it's going to be be very difficult, but at the same time, I think I'm ready to start now because the experiences that I'm going to be writing about have um, the the, like a bunch of a couple years have passed now. So I think I'm finally have enough space to write about about them. Whereas I think before I wouldn't have been ready, but we'll see. Maybe I start writing in the summer and I'm like, these experiences are still too raw. I can't process them. But I'm almost it's kind of 
scary for me to, it's a lot, like I'm a lot more scared or more afraid to write more of a personal story because it's kind of, you're putting so much of yourself out there. Yeah. You know, whereas at least in fiction, you know, people speculate, oh, these ideas are yours. Like this character is you. But if you're writing like a memoir, you know, it actually is your own voice. Yeah, exactly. Um, So, you know, I don't want to offend people I care about or it's, you know, there's all these considerations that have to come into play. Yeah, it's a little more delicate. But I find it, yes, when you do get to that point in the writing where it is bringing up memories and it kind of feels a little raw and tough. I always find that's the best writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's also um, some of my friends have said, you know, we liked your book, but actually we much prefer stories that you tell us about teaching in the Arctic or when you're in, the, in Columbia. And so, you know, why aren't you writing those things? You know, that's something that I think that more people would connect to and enjoy. And so, I hope that one day we could see some of those stories in a book. And I, I think that I needed that little push to say, oh, yeah, you know what? Like, maybe I am ready. Yeah. Well, not you're an award-winning author right now. Thank you. So you mm-hmm. already have that validation, external validation, even though you didn't need it before. But it's a nice, ha- nice to have going into your second project, I think. Yeah, definitely. No, I feel really lucky. And so that was just... Yeah, definitely just that extra kind of like icing on the cake, I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, that's all the questions I have today. Before we go, can you let us know where we can find your writing online or connect with you on Instagram and where we can buy your books? Sure. So, um, I mean, the best place uh, to buy, see what flowers would be through Amazon. Um, So amazon.ca, amazon.com. So again, it's see what flowers. You could also connect uh, with me, Shannon Mullen, uh, through my Goodreads author profile page. Yeah, Instagram is uh, at Mullen Shannon. So at M-U-L-L-E-N-S-H-A-N-N-O-N. And my website is shannonmullen.me. Yay. Okay, perfect. Thanks, Shannon. Okay, thanks so much, Louise. Thanks for listening, guys. As always, you can find the show notes for today's episode at louiseclairjohnson.com slash podcast. And you can follow along on Instagram at wordweaverpodcast. Until next time. I had to wait with words for a while.